0: that, if you have a Bible handy, and I pray that you do, if you'd open it with me to the book of Acts. We left off in chapter 4, and about verse 22 seems like eons ago in our series Before You Go, and I titled this morning's message, When Your Back's Against the Wall, and it really is fitting for where we're at today in the world as believers there's that old expression you remember that says if there's one thing we've learned from history we've learned nothing from history have you ever heard that before yeah or history not learned from tends to what yeah repeat itself and it's doing that and we're just seeing these cycles and the persecution against the church is growing not just in the world but even in our own country here in a country where you know our very foundation, our founding fathers, the freedom of religion, the freedom of the ability to worship God is under tremendous fire in this country. And so we need to be praying against that. And so there's great, just wonderful teachings here through the book of Acts as we look at the early church and how they respond to themselves. And so we see the in chapter four, as I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, this is the really the first glimpse that we get of persecution coming against the church. And so we need to be uh, aware of it. And one of the things I love about the Word of God is we think about it being prophetic, right? That it tells us, we think of prophecy as history told in advance, right? So we don't need to be caught off guard. We need to be students of prophecy and to know the Bible. And then we can have peace because we see what's going on when the world was in, in total chaos as Larry was sharing in worship. And Jesus said, my peace I give to you, a peace that the world knows not of. So when we see all these things happen, yeah, they can be terrifying. But for us, we go, as Larry was leading us in worship and just reminding us that God's in control. And that's really what will come out as we study this in Acts chapter 4. And so I pray that it speaks to you like it does to me. Let's just take a moment and we'll pray and we'll jump into this. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for Pastor Greg being here with us and the work that's taking place there at Nicaragua. And we appreciate, Lord, his faithfulness there and and just the reach, just so many people touched by the gospel. We pray for that radio tower, that God, you would sustain it and and grow it and allow it to be even more effective, that more people would be reached for you. And that all their needs, as Paul would pray, that my God shall supply all of your needs by his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, and that you use us, this little church here in Bakersfield, to help support the work there. We just thank you for them. We thank you for the opportunity we have as we open up your word that we invite you holy spirit as we studied the book of acts that we're being reminded every week that we study this book that it's not so much about the acts of the apostles as much as it's about the acts of the holy spirit in the life of the apostles and lord that also includes us your spirit is still active in the world you're still baptizing and filling people today and we invite you to baptize us and to fill us afresh May we just enjoy time in the Word. May it feed our soul today. May we enjoy communion, being reminded that it was your body broken for us. It was your blood shed for the forgiveness of our sin and that, God, we can know today. We can know that our sins are forgiven because you did live, you did die, you did rise again, just as you said. And if we would place our hope and our trust in you, Lord, as your word declares, that those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Lord, for those that maybe haven't yet, Lord, I pray today they would call upon your name and be saved. And for the church who is saved, that Lord, you would wash us today, that you would cleanse us, Lord, that you would sanctify us afresh and that you'd fill us, Lord, with power from on high, that we could live a life that brings glory to you and ministers effectively in the world in which we live. And so we just look forward to what you'll Teach us and grow us and shape us and mold us, uh, Lord, into the people of God that you desire us to be as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the, the neat things as we go through this book is just to be reminded, it covers a period of about 30, 35 years. It's the beginning, obviously, of the church starting there at Jesus, his ascension back into heaven somewhere between 30, 33 AD, and it runs all the way through 62, 64 AD. And so the, that time frame is important and what's taking place in the world there. Rome is in power. Pastor Greg was talking about communism. And you think uh, what the Roman empire, when you have the things that are taking place, the really barbarianism to, to the fullest degree, we've seen what crucifixion was. And again, the things that are going to begin to happen, these 10 waves, we look through history, persecution against the church and how God is preparing his people for this and and again and i I think it's timely that we study this as we look at it and we see ourselves that we live in a world where again like i said there's a cycle of persecution beginning to happen uh, now in the united states of america in a different way it's always been here in certain degrees from a personal standpoint maybe through social media or maybe some group if you claim to be a christian maybe you might have missed out on a promotion even at work or something because of your religious beliefs we hear stories but not so much physical persecution where you suffered physically for what you believed and then ultimately were killed for it. But yet we see it happening around the world and we're seeing this. You can see it's almost like it's one of those old coffee percolators. We can see it. It's just, it's building and building and we sense something is about to happen. And so we do well to study this and to learn what we can. When I, when I look at the book of Acts, it just as a, a thought, there's 29 noted miracles. So when you look at the time frame of the book of Acts, and I think this is important to us, I know it means something to me, is that works out to about one miracle a year. Because sometimes you can read the book of Acts and you think, oh man, I don't know, do I have the Holy Spirit? They seem to like just do miracles every time they turned around. And you go, no, they didn't. There, there was like one miracle about every year that took place. And it, as scripture says, signs and wonders will follow them that believe. And God just does these things in just perfect moments in time, like I'd shared with you, that this man who had sat there lame at the the gate beautiful, he was been lame for 40 years. I said, Jesus himself had even walked past this gate and not healed the man. And you think, why? That God was waiting for this very perfect moment in time. And I hope this encourages you like it does me, because I know that there's things that, man, I've prayed 40 minutes straight, praying for something, just pouring my heart out to God. And there's been things where I've prayed for 40 days for something, but I can't say that I've ever prayed for 40 years for something. And that here's a guy for 40 years, sits lame at this gate, and then suddenly God touches him and he heals him. I'll tell you what, that encourages me to the depth of my soul that, you know what, don't ever give up thinking that, man, it's just too late. It's never too late. Not with God. I appreciate what Pastor Greg had shared. There's gentleman there it was baptizing that had tumors, had health issues, and God heals him. He goes from, again, just totally fits the things that we think about what happens in the life of a believer. You go from being shy and introverted to all of a sudden you become bold, not obnoxious, but bold in your faith for Jesus Christ. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit fills our life. We have a holy boldness for God, and we want people to know what he's done for us, and God still heals. He's still healing people. I believe, like I said, I believe I I experienced a healing myself this week. My, my wife would attest to it. I was literally just hacking so much so I was in physical pain. And then all of a sudden, literally it woke her out of sleep because she didn't hear me coughing. And she's standing over me, looking at me and then going, honey, you're not coughing. And I go, I know. And she's like, I text the church and they've been praying. And I, and immediately I was thinking, man, God, I would just love to know who it was, who, who was it. And then it was one of the the neatest things that was so heartwarming is talking with our family last night my my oldest son and he was like man i was praying out loud because he thought what he had heard that this was dire and so uh, he was tremendously concerned he said i don't even normally pray out loud and he said i was praying out loud so much i thought everybody in the house was gonna was gonna wake up and hear me and i appreciate that i, I believe in the power of prayer i believe that god still does miracles that's why i love the fact that on a sunday morning before service it's not just a a routine, it's something that gives us opportunity for the Holy Spirit to move in our midst. And, and you look at the book of Acts and that when the Holy Spirit moved, it did not they didn't glorify Peter and John. It says that the people recognized that God had done something. And that's the most important thing. As we come together and we pray and we're seeking God, and we're just going, God, you're in control. And we just lay these things at your feet. And then to watch God do the miraculous, it's such a beautiful thing. And so when I look at this here in in Acts chapter 4 we see that the purposes and plans of God they're still carried out even in the midst of craziness and I've shared with you in weeks past I've seen a lot of things and how many by show of hands that on the internet there's a lot of disinformation just raise your hand if you know that to be true that everything you read on the internet is not true okay there's a lot of bad stuff even from born again christians who mean and there's this one guy and i wouldn't even name him but he's got a tremendous following he's a social influencer and he will stand up and he proclaims this every day and it's out there and i see a lot of our young people follow him you know because you can see their names and stuff and he's you know making it clear god is not in control you can't look at the world today and he goes through and he what he believes is evidence and and The evidence is, is so opposite of everything that the scriptures teach us that God is sovereign. We don't understand what God is doing most of the time, but God is in control. And he makes it perfectly clear here. And the the early church understood that. And I think it's so important for us to, to really to gravitate towards that this morning in our own thought process because we look at the craziness in the world today and, and people are going where is god in this and i was just because i was on vacation doesn't mean i'm not still ministering to people who are reaching out to me and i'm texting people and i'm talking to people that they're scared to death I, i've said you know that one of the things that's so um sad for me as a pastor is to see the fear and the anxiety that is just gripping the body of christ today and I get it. it, doesn't. the Bible doesn't say that we're not going to be anxious or we're not going to be fearful. It just says when you become anxious and you become fearful, to do what? To take those things and to cast all of your cares or your anxieties upon God because he cares about you. But sadly, you know what we see, and we're seeing it more, many of us, we turn to a bottle. Alcoholism in the church is at a level that it hasn't been at in years. People turn to pills like never before. The prescriptions and if pills don't work then you turn to cupcakes and scooter pies or whatever else and we were i'd say baklava because that's really the best thing in the world yeah i I tell you i found this place if you ever go to uh, the island of santorini i'll tell you where to go it's the best baklava i've ever had in the world and i've had lots of it but uh, but there's so many things that we turn to other than god and it's sad it's It really is sad. And it goes back to what Jesus said when he returns to this earth. He said, will I find faith upon the earth? Are we placing our hope and our trust in God, or are we putting our faith in all these other things? We're looking for placebos, and God's given us his Holy Spirit. That's the beauty of it. God has given us as a gift the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to strengthen us, to be there with us. It's the greatest joy you're going to have when we talk about communion, to think that It's his body that was broken for us. Jesus said, when he took that bread on the night that he was betrayed and he broke it and he handed it to the disciples, he said, this is my body broken for you. It was personal. It's not just that it's corporate, but it's personal. And he says, and this cup represents the new covenant in my blood, you know, for the forgiveness of our sin. And he, and what I really love about it is to think that he's telling us, and he says, as often as you do this, so today when you receive communion to be reminded he says as often as you take this bread and you drink this cup that you proclaim the lord's death until he comes and he says and i won't partake of this he says until i sit with you in the kingdom and he's talking about the millennial kingdom when jesus comes back to this earth do you realize you're going to be able to sit with jesus and you're going to be able to break bread with him just like the disciples did and so he's going until then though you do this and you remind yourself hey the best is still yet to be right that, hey, as bad as everything looks like it's, it is and looks like it's going, it's gonna have a turnaround. Jesus is going to restore all things, everything. Revelation says that everything is gonna be made new. And man, what a day that is gonna be a day. And so hold out for that. And so as we look at this, I, I look at, and I titled like I said, this morning's message, when your back's against the wall, because that's what I, that's what I see. And, and, and I just put it to you in a personal sense. When you think of your own life today, And you look at all the things that that are taking place, and you feel like, in many ways, life is crashing in on you. Like I said, these lessons from chapter 4, they're wonderful. And we left off, I think, in about verse 22, and where John, like I said, and Peter were used of the Holy Spirit to bring this healing to this lame man. And it said this in verse 21, it says, The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. And the beauty of this was because it wasn't peter and john going look what we can do they just were on their way to prayer and they said silver and gold we have not but the name of jesus rise up and walk and the people knew that this man they'd seen him for 40 years they knew his plight and now all of a sudden he's walking so they saw this was a good thing they saw that it was a miracle of god and the religious leaders at that point, there was nothing that they could say because they would have just gone against the people because the people just saw it's, God had done something that was so beautiful, that was so wonderful. It says, for everyone was praising God. It says, for this miraculous sign, I'm reading this from the NLT translation. It says, and the healing of the man who had been lame for more than 40 years. And so, again, all they could do is threaten them. That's the best they can do. They got to let them go. And then it says... In verse 23, and I love this, it says, As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers, and they told them what the leading priest and elders had said. And when they'd heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God, O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything that's in them. And like I said, we can learn so much about Peter and John just from these two verses. And They, they, they knew what these religious leaders were capable of. they just seen less than two months ago, what they had done to Jesus, right? And here they are standing in front of them and they're giving praise and glory and honor to Jesus, the same Jesus who was crucified by these same religious leaders. And so they were, I think they were left obviously with the same choice that you and I, what do you do when your back's against the wall in this life? Are you going to worry? Are you going to worship? And they had to make that decision. They chose not to worry. Things had to be going through their mind. They chose to what? To worship. I like that quote by A.W. Tozer that says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I think it's so true. And what I mean by that is the key to our success here is it's believing in Jesus, it's trusting in his promises, and it's acting on the things that we know to be true. And so what was the first thing that they did when they were released? They went to church. I mean, think about that If, if your life was on the line and you'd been taken prisoner for just doing something good, and then they threaten you, hey, if you keep doing this, worse things are going to happen, where would you go? And again, they wanted nothing more than to gather with the same people who the only crime that they committed was that they loved Jesus. That was the only crime that they had committed. I like what R.A. Torrey says. He goes, pray for great things, expect great things, work for great things, but first and foremost, pray. And what I love about this, they didn't, when I look at our culture today, when, like, if somebody was arrested wrongly and your back was against the wall and the government was against you, you see this a lot of times within Christendom is somebody will get released and what's the first thing that they want to do is they want to go get a lawyer, they want to create a lawsuit, they want to go get people, they want to protest. Is there a lot of protesting today? Would you agree? and would you agree that a lot of the protesting is just getting lost in the protesting because there's just so much of it it's just the, it's the way of the world today and really the church doesn't look much different than the world we're just protesting we you know we're we're protesting we're constantly protesting and and I think there's a place for that but i but what we're doing is we're studying the book of acts here right and we're going to go back and could they protest you know, in one sense they couldn't if you're familiar with the pox romana it was called what peace by decree meaning that there's going to be peace in the land because the roman empire said there was going to be peace and if there wasn't peace in the land what would they do they'd just kill you okay and so it's a little bit different environment they didn't protest because you you go maybe they would have and maybe they would have but they weren't stupid they knew that if they stood up that way but they did it individually that was the one thing that peter and john they did protest they did it as they stood there not living in fear for their life but standing up but they didn't run back and get the other believers and go out and protest they did what i think the church if there's a failure and like i've already shared this i know it's been the failure of my own life personally i believe it's the failure of this church and probably every other church for the most part that i know is our failure to gather together and pray you know for the most part you'll find people just be sitting home watching tv versus I mean, but there'll be a day Like I said, I know I've been there. I've been in a hospital room. I've been in an emergency ward. I've been where I needed people praying for me. And I was very thankful that I could pick up a phone or my wife could and say, hey, can you pray for Mike? And that people gathered and prayed together for me and that God moved on my behalf. And you go, so when your back's against the wall, you start figuring out real quick what's really important. And their backs were against the wall here. And they learned very quickly and they demonstrated was prayer. When they got released, They didn't go make a protest. They went and they began a prayer meeting. And what's beautiful about their prayer meeting is I would think for me and you, sometimes we'd come together and we'd go, hey, let's pray against them, right? Let's pray fire down from heaven. Yeah, let's pray. You go, no, what are they praying for? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that's somebody who spent time at the feet of Jesus realizing, you know what? I need forgiveness. You need forgiveness. It was my sin that he died for on the cross at Calvary. It was your sin. And yet we can be so quick to, to judge the unbelieving world. And so here they, they gathered together. They appealed to God. They went to God in prayer. Their, their reaction wasn't against the world, but it was to pray for the world. And I love the fact that you guys are doing that here on a Sunday morning. It's terrible what's going on there in Gaza we're seeing in our own country the anti-semitism that's rising day by day the palestinians living there in gaza displaced in their homes and this is a huge mess and you're seeing this thing is just percolating and percolating you go and who's going to fix it i I think we'd all agree there's only one who can fix that and that's jesus christ amen and that we would be people who would get serious you're going to get serious with god at some point the bible says it's appointed a man to die and then what? Meet God, face judgment, is that we'd get a little bit more serious about talking with God and not just in the sense of petitioning God. That's one of the things I said I loved about studying the, here's Peter and John going, even as they believed in Christ, they still went to the temple to pray and they were going during the third hour. And that third hour, remember, as I shared with you, that it was made up of what? They take a few minutes, 15 minutes, and man, and they just meditate they just let their hearts get settled. They spend 30 minutes in petitioning the Lord and then the last 15 minutes in just pure adoration, just praising Him. We have the Lord's Prayer that Jesus gave us as a model to pray. But I find because we get in groups and we pray and we just quickly forget who God is. And it's one of the things that I love about the early church, this church here. That we're reading the book of acts is they first begin with who god is and that's why there's peace see i think when you spend your time just going god there's so much chaos in the world god god listen this and you go and you're just focused on what all the problems we we could learn a great lesson here today why did they have such peace because they weren't focused on their problem as much as they were focused on what on god himself i think greg shared it that there's what we think are big things with with god or what they're they're just little things what's impossible with man is what it's possible with god there's nothing too difficult for god and when you spend time with god see that's the thing if your life is just you know about rub-a-dub three men in a tub thanks for the grub god you're not going to do well when your back's against the wall you're going to deal with tremendous anxiety and it's not just because we go oh it's organic something you go no it's your predisposition because your mind and your heart, aren't there? And you, and you can prove it to yourself because if you set your focus on the things of God and you meditate on Him, you go, what happens? He says, there's a peace that comes over us. And you go, yes. And so it should be an invitation that we would spend more and more time, especially in these days in which we live. Because you can, like I said, learn a lot about a person. If you just followed them around, if you just followed me around for one day, you'd learn a lot about my life, what I really believe and what I really like and what I'm really into. And that would be true with any of us. I, I've, I think of Peter. When, remember after Jesus resurrected from the dead and he appears to first Thomas, remember that? And Thomas is like, I don't believe. And Jesus is like, okay, stick your hand on my side. And Thomas, okay, forgive me, Lord, I believe. And then what does Peter say? Right after that, Peter goes, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing he's going to just go back to his old way of life because he doesn't understand what jesus has done and that tends to be i think the the life of many people today and it's a sad thing if it is because we're going to see more and more in the world we're going to see greater persecution we're going to see greater tribulation we understand that those things are, are going to happen and so here is a great model in the book of acts here that when they're dealing with these things, when their back is against the wall, they go to God and they go to God in prayer, and they don't just go to God in prayer, petitioning Him. look at what they do in verse twenty four there that that term when it thinks of of God being sovereign and being Lord in the Greek language, it means absolute master. Think about that it means absolute master, and what does that say about the church? They believe that God was the Creator that he was the sustainer of everything, they believed that what? That God was in control. No matter when things looked like they were out of control, they believed God was in control. So my question that begs to be asked for me and for you today, what do you believe? What do you believe? Do you believe God's in control today or do you believe everything's out of control today? And what you believe about that is gonna determine greatly the peace that you'll enjoy in this life. Jeremiah 32, 17 puts it like this. O Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Don't you love that? Nothing is too hard for you. Verse 25 and 26 goes on there in Acts 4. It says, And you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? So he's quoting Psalm 2 here. It says, why did they waste their time with feudal plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. Now, this is obviously, like I said, Psalm 2, which is the first messianic psalm. So, it's thinking of this futuristically, but they're seeing it actually in their own lives as well. And one of the things that you have to really appreciate about this is, like the psalmist, they would gather together. And they're going to gather against the Lord here and against his anointed. And exactly what the psalmist said is going to happen. If you look at this, it's going to happen in the kingdom age, but the second coming of Jesus Christ, you can read that in Revelation chapter 19. When God takes all the kings of the earth that will come up against him there, they'll meet there in the valley of Megiddo. And there'll be a battle that's over before it really gets started in that sense. And then he will judge them and then he jesus will usher in the millennial kingdom and so here's this understanding that they have that no matter what takes place god wins amen god wins in the end when all said and done god wins they pray they acknowledge what's happening and they acknowledge what's happening is in accordance with the will of god and i think for some people that's so hard because you look around and you go this can't be the will of god and you go but it is it's his will god is working through all these things i, I think of psalm 73 it, it's an impectory psalm you know that you know again it's such a wonderful psalm because it's that perception that he, the psalmist is there saying man i was about ready to give up my faith in god because i saw the prosperity of the wicked and i thought What's the use of walking with God? The whole world's prospering, but I'm walking with you and I'm losing everything. And he says, and I felt that way, he said, until I went to church, he said, until I went into the sanctuary of God, until I got on my face before God and I let God put things into the proper perspective. And when he did, he goes, and then I realized their end and I realized my end. Their end was gonna be damnation and destruction. His end was gonna be glory. Temporal pain, eternal glory. Temporal pain, eternal glory. Peter would write about that himself, 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. Peter says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. What are we talking? We've been sharing this, right? Be very glad for the trials that you're in. Instead, for these trials make you partners with Christ in His suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it's revealed to all the world. It's safe to say that God uses persecution oftentimes to draw believers closer to Himself, and you could say also to separate the wheat, you know, from the tear. At that point, verse 27 goes on through verse 30. It says in Acts 4, it says, "In fact, this happened here in this very city." It says, "For Herod Antipas and Pontius Pilate, the governor." the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants. So, What is he praying for here? Did he say, God, you know what they're up against. Destroy them, wipe them out. That's not what they pray. Look at verse 29. It says, and now, Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness great boldness in preaching your word stretch out your hand with healing power they go god then affirm that boldness affirm your word being taught by us by signs and wonders heal people that's what they're praying god don't strike them heal them heal them it says may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant jesus when their backs were against the wall, what'd they do? They didn't run. Like I said, they didn't even pray that God would destroy their their enemies, but instead they prayed that God would give them boldness in the midst of the persecution that they were going to suffer and that they would bring healing to the people, that the people would know that Jesus Christ is who he claimed to be. In verse 31, it says, and after this prayer, the, the place of the meeting shook. I love that. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So this must be a what? A subsequent filling of the Holy Spirit. They've already been filled at the day of Pentecost, but it says here, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. A subsequent filling. A great reminder to me, to you, when your back's against the wall, pray. When you're feeling the pressure of this world, pray. And what do we pray? God, bring me comfort. Thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Bring me boldness. Bring me strength bring me power, that what? That I could stand true, that I could stand firm in the midst of this persecution. Because of all the things that are going to get the attention of the world today, it's somebody who's in the truest sense, I mean, think about this, not that God's calling you to be a martyr for Christ, but that you believe in what you believe so much that you're willing to die for it. Because I believe most people wouldn't. I believe they'd go, I like faith because it's nice at Christmas and Easter and family gatherings and stuff to go, man, I could die for this. So again, thinking of what Greg was sharing in his presentation, serve God in a communist country and say the wrong thing. That might not go over too well, right? So you're trying to walk that fine line of, of honoring those that are in authority and proclaiming and preaching the love of Jesus Christ and doing that effectively. Obviously we need the wisdom. Of God that He gives us through the Holy Spirit, and then you think about what is the purpose. I mean, the Holy Spirit. Today we look in the world, and the the church gets all caught up, and everybody's going, well, "We need to speak in tongues." And you go, I think that's a wonderful gift, but the purpose of God's Spirit was that we might have a bold witness for God. That's what we need to be praying for. God, give me a bold witness for you, that I would be willing to stand up for what I believe. Seven times in the Book of Acts, when men were said to be filled with or full of the Holy Spirit, we can see the purpose of the results. There was the, for speaking, for serving, for shepherding, for rebuking, and for dying. That's what we see when we see the purpose or the results of of being filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And then it it ends with this, and and I love this today. It says, all the believers were united in verse 32, in heart and mind they felt that what they owned was not their own so they shared everything that they excuse me that they had the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the lord jesus and god's great blessing was upon them all i like how the the new king james translates verse 33 it says and with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the lord jesus and great grace was upon them all they had great power and they experienced great grace and if there's anything that we need for the world to see in in the body of christ today is to see great power and great grace exemplified because that's not what you're seeing in the world i can tell you that verse 34 goes on it says and there were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need for instance there was joseph and one of the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi, which came from the island of Cyprus. He sold the field he owned, and he brought the money to the apostles. So I want to close with this. It's important that you get this because oftentimes people look at this and they'll go, that's what the church should do today. Everybody should just go sell their possessions and bring them to the church and distribute as anyone had need. And I wouldn't necessarily agree with that from you look at this in context. There was something unique happening in Jerusalem in this moment in time. What was taking place was everybody who lived in Jerusalem that was being persecuted were Jews, right? They were the first converts to Christianity. Their work that they did would have been associated with the temple. And if they converted or they became Messianic Jews, you could say what do you think happened to them in their workplace working in jerusalem in the temple they became unemployed they had no ability to sustain income or to provide for themselves that was one of the ways again we've seen it and i know some of you probably dealt with that in your own life that you because you were bold in your faith in your workplace you were either let go or you were denied a promotion and that's a way that the world does what paul said don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, right? That's one of the ways that it brings us to our knees, so to speak, It's hit you in your pocketbook, right? And you go, is it still happening today? And you go, oh, absolutely. And here the church is going, okay, we see what's taking place. And so they began to bring their possessions and they sold them and they distributed to each one who had need. And I think that's important because, you know, scripture also says that the person who's not willing to work Shouldn't eat, and there's a balance there. So this can't just mean that. Hey, it was what we would say is communism, right? Communism is I take what's yours and I make it mine. What Scripture is teaching here is what we would call communism, right? Communism is I take what's mine and I give it to you, meaning that it's voluntary, and that no one's forcing me to do it. It's a choice that I make, and I love the fact that I've watched this in the body of Christ here throughout the years, where people in our church have. Have had something of tremendous worth and sold it or donated it and said, Hey, give this. And we we have situations where people are suffering because of their belief in Jesus Christ and they've lost their work. And some of you even we have that even happening today where you come alongside of a family and you go, Hey, you know what? We're gonna help you. And people donate and they don't let it be known who it is. They just give it to the church. And they go, hey, we know this family's in need. Can we help them? We go, absolutely. And so the very thing that God was doing there in, in the book of Acts, he's still doing today, right here in our midst. And, and I love that. It's just a wonderful testimony of the Holy Spirit working through not just the acts of the apostles, but the acts of his disciples, in, even in this church all the way up to today. And so, if you remember this and you go, why would that have taken place? Remember the Sadducees, I mean, before Jesus was crucified, his main enemy was the Pharisees, Right. Because they were legalists and they thought jesus was violating the law and they'd look at the law and they go he healed on the sabbath right they didn't realize that he's the lord of the sabbath and he would he didn't violate any of the law he came to fulfill the law but at his death and his resurrection the pharisees no longer were a big deal for him it was the sadducees that became the problem because the sadducees and i shared with you in weeks past what they didn't believe in the resurrection of jesus christ and so When you have jesus being raised from the dead and you have somebody who believes that there is no afterlife there is no heaven and and now all of a sudden you have people that are proclaiming that to be true that makes your religion what false and so they became strong adversaries against the church and this is where the the persecution rises up against them and again one of the things that i love about what's taking place here it's mounting but what's taking place first 3000 souls get saved in the midst of this persecution and then what happens 2000 more souls now we got 5000 people that's a lot of workforce would you agree if you were working for the temple and all of a sudden you've converted or you become a messianic Jew and you believe that Jesus is raised from the dead and he is lord and king and messiah there's a good chance you're going to lose your job and so the church saw this and the church again and so some hold to this belief and i happen to be one of them is that i believe that it was a temporary solution to a temporary problem because yes it was 300 years of of continual waves of persecution but once constantine came into power what happened is christianity became the state religion and christianity prospered so this was something that the lord was doing but does he still do it today absolutely Do, do i not believe that God works through his people to bless his people? No, I think that's great when you see great power, great grace. And it's a way that we do minister to each other. But I don't think that's the formula. And I think that's maybe a more correct way to present it to you is don't get locked into this thinking, oh, that's how the church is supposed to operate. We're supposed to sell all of our stuff. And you go, no. And it's really interesting when you think about Barnabas, because Barnabas was a Levite and Levites didn't own any land, right? Numbers 18 tells us that if you were part of the tribe of Levi, the priest, that the Lord was your portion, right? But then you think about where was the property? Cyprus wasn't part of the 12 tribes of Israel. So I don't know this to be factual. I'm just saying I could have owned property in Cyprus without violating the law. And you go, absolutely. Or maybe it was an inheritance. Maybe it was on his wife's side of the family and he had this, but nonetheless, we just see great grace in his life that Barnabas took that land that was his. And he had every right to do whatever he wanted with it and he sold it and he brought the possessions and he brought that to the church and said hey meet the needs of people and i, and I love that and that's again where the church steps in and and does such a wonderful job in ministering to the needs of people uh, i don't know if you saw this past week and, and just want to bring this up because i i think it's important uh this past tuesday uh, former president obama he, he suggested uh, and this is not the first time, but that cash handouts, or maybe this term, it's called universal basic income, would be given uh, to people. It needs to be considered, at least he said, as a partial solution to the challenges that are being presented to our, our workforce uh, because of technology and automation and artificial intelligence. And so, basically, that we need to be part of a system where we basically just give people money, and and in a sense, it's a handout. And you go, that's a real dangerous thing. And I only want to reaffirm this thought because when you do that, if you remember the Roman empire, always just think of the Roman empire, because history not learned from does what? It repeats itself. Okay. Okay. And if there's one thing we've learned from history, we've learned nothing from history and so history is repeating itself. So here's what, remember the Roman empire, they figured out a way to control the people. And you remember how they controlled the people? They came together, the great minds of their time, and they said, you want to control the people? Just do two things, keep them fed and keep them entertained. And if you keep them fed and you keep them entertained, you can control them, you can own them. And you look at what's happening in our world today. There's a system in place, there's a universal system being worked to give a certain allotment to every single person to keep us fed and to keep us entertained ultimately to control and you go just something to think about in the days ahead because i look at this and i go hey we have you know again our bible in front of us and we know that god's in control we know that the world is going to do its thing and it's going to go its way i want to close with this thought it was a story pastor chuck smith he was sharing on giving there in Calvary Costa Mesa. And he said he got a letter from a gentleman in the church and it had his tithe check in there. And he said to Pastor Chuck, he said, um, this is my tithe check. He said, i am giving it to you reluctantly. He said, actually, I don't want to even give it to you, but my wife is nagging me uh, to give and we've been doing a study in giving. And so I'm giving you my tithe check, but I just don't believe that we need to do that. I don't believe that it's a New Testament practice, blah, 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 blah. And he goes to this whole thing. He says but i'm doing it basically to get my wife off my back and so chuck sent the check back and he said god loves a cheerful giver he said hopefully there'll come a day when you can give cheerfully and he said until then keep your check and sincerely pastor chuck smith and i think there's something to take to heart today as we close and I invite the worship team to come up and we can again it, it, the power of worship is not the length of worship it the strength is in your connection with God in that moment. And so we have this moment to, in communion to connect with God and, and to appreciate everything that He provides for us. But I, I just want you to think about being a cheerful giver, that again, God works through people who have experienced His grace in their lives. And the needs, Jesus said, the poor you're gonna have with you. He said, but me, for even a short time, and I look every Sunday that I come to this pulpit, there's a new need. There's a need in Nicaragua today, it's been ongoing. They've been there for a lot of years. There's a, a tragedy in, in, in Maui, there's a need there. There's a tragedy in Acapulco. Now every day there's gonna be something, there's something going on in, in Israel, in Gaza Strip. The the needs are beyond your and I ability to, to meet every one of those needs. And so we just need to be prayerful and where the Lord, where you can give cheerfully to those things and you can invest into it. I wanna encourage you to do that but don't ever feel that you have to, this is not communism. We're not, it's not God taking something from yours to give it to somebody else. It's when he moves upon your heart and you have prayed about it. And that's the beauty of it. You pray about it and you go, you know what, this is just something that God's put on my heart. And you do it cheerfully and you do it prayerfully and you watch what God does and he'll do an amazing thing when you do it that way. Amen. Amen. Let's pray and invite the worship team to come up and we'll enjoy this moment and those of you that'll pass out the elements of communion will take this time of communion together father thank you lord for your word thank you for an opportunity today to be in it uh, thank you for a communion sunday where we can just appreciate you afresh and as we take this bread and we drink this cup uh, we're just reminded of your faithfulness to your promise you came into this world to live to die to rise again for us and one day Lord, you're coming back for us and you'll take us home to be with you. And no matter what wall our backs against today, we can look up because, Lord, we know that for us that are in Christ Jesus, the best is still yet to be. And Lord, uh, we just thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for rising again for us. And Lord, may we just enjoy this moment with you and just celebrating you, appreciating you afresh today that, God, you are sovereign, that you are in control, not just of the world, but all the things that are going on in our life. We don't need to worry today. What we need to do is to worship, Lord, and that's what we choose to do as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.